He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? So I, I just think that, um, yeah, watching this kind of unfold has been really interesting. What happens next is going to be super interesting because do you I think would, he demands I, the trade before the extension kicks or it kicks in next summer? Well, so that's the thing, though, is that like I'm, I'm going to I'm going to I'm probably going to compile for Substack. I'm probably going to compile like a history of the most recent trade demands and how many of them happen before their extension even kicks in, right? Because like yeah. Dame Dame hasn't Dame hasn't yeah, played under has not kicked his in. current KD's kicked extension in. had not kicked in, I don't yeah. think when he demanded the trade the first time. Uh-huh. Bradley Beals, I think, just kicks in now. So he never played for Washington under no, his No, I, I think he he resigned as a free agent. So I think he's been on his deal. Uh yeah, he okay. waited till free agency and then resigned. Because right. that but, was how but, we got the no trade clause. You have to create a new contract. You can't okay. get the no trade clause without. So he he's been on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but still, like he. But still, it, there's been a lot of guys that have demanded them before the contract even kicked in. Yeah. He also, the contract technically hasn't kicked in. He hasn't played for Washington under his next contract. Like it didn't happen. Like he. <laughs> no, he did last year. Yeah. No, I thought he, I thought this year was going to be or he. Oh, no, no, he, he became resigned an unrestricted last year. Okay, free okay, agent okay. and re-signed right. with them on a new yeah. deal. Yeah. Um, all right, never mind. But there are enough examples of this where I want to go yeah. through and like look at uh, at how many guys have, have not played for their team. And I think Jalen's going to be the next example of guy. And from the second, from the second Bradley Beal signed, it's still the spirit of what the point that you're trying to yeah. make is alive. Like everyone knew that eventually he was going to get traded on that contract. There was no possible way that Washington yeah. was going to be able to build a winner around him on that deal. But while he was still in his prime, that's, that's always the thing that annoys me the most is the, I mean, the number one reason being he's not good enough to justify that contract. And so it was going to be impossible to build a winner around right. him on that deal. And, and when I say it annoys me, I, I mean like this, um, this environment annoys me in that, like we have really forced players to choose between payday and competition. And yeah. in this next CBA, that's even more that's fully actually, realized. You know, Anthony, the, the preferred term is uh, player sharing and parity, okay? That we've, <laughs> uh, the, we, uh, players, there's now parity yeah. in the league, okay? It's not players choosing to get the bag from a bad team. It's players choosing to make a bad team better and more yeah. competitive on a night-to-night basis. And they definitely have a real chance in the playoffs, okay? <laughs> They're not. Poor Bradley Beal making 50 million bucks. It's like... Congrats, man. Like Bradley Beal signing that contract for 50 million bucks a year and then escalating from there or whatever. That's great to hear for Bradley. He's like and, a nice good dude too. So like yeah, good for him. Um, but also yeah. like when as soon as he signs that, he knows I ain't winning shit here. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not winning a thing here. And he knows it. The the Wizards knows it, know it. The 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 whole league knows it at that point. Do you think and the Wizards knew it? Do you think the last Wizards brain trust, like an ownership, knew it? I don't know. Yeah. You might be giving them no, I, I think they knew it. They Ted knew Leonza he wasn't... said, this is our Kobe, and we're going to give him the contract that he deserved. And no, I, I don't. I think ownership believed that they could build a winner around Bradley Beal. I, I think that 
the way that we're defining winner or winning here yeah, fair, is fair. different. Yeah, they may define. Yeah, he didn't think he's like we could build a a play in winner around Bradley Beal. <laughs> you can win one play in game with Bradley Beal. Those two yeah. home gate, you know, a home gate game playoff receipts are gonna pay <laughs> for this contract. Um, let's talk about AD though, really quickly, and then we'll move on to um nerd stuff. But um, which. Like talking about the CBA and the way that we were just talking about it is also yeah. Very I was going to say, are we move? Uh, we're we're More continuing nerdy. different nerd stuff. Different yeah. nerd stuff. But Anthony Davis, though, um, I, I still am a little skeptical about. Like, I actually think that this might take, um, this, th- some hard conversations are going to be had within the Lakers about Anthony Davis. And I think at the end of the day, you still want to. You still want to have that guy under contract, so at the very least, you're able to flip him from just for something whenever that working relationship ends. But it, it, the reason Dave McMenamin started the offseason talking about AD's extension the way that he did is because the Lakers have not felt very comfortable about post-LeBron AD. Yeah. You know, like that is just that is just the reality of the situation. And, 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 and the, fair, we, to be honest. They've been hoping, LeBron has been hoping that AD would be the better player between the two at this when point. You, that it, was, it would be a AD team. When do you getting the leaks this year's <laughs> comments that AD is the vocal leader of the team? And that he's right after be, he signs the extension. The yeah. <laughs> as soon as he signs the extension. Not I, I'm until. frankly surprised we haven't gotten them yet. You know, yeah. like about how AD is, uh, you know, like, I don't know, like Maxwell Lewis saying that AD already reached out to him and that he's like, you know, he, he set up the group chat himself this time. It wasn't LeBron, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, AD is is trying to arrange the the uh, the pre training camp training camp that everybody goes to. Yeah. Right. Uh, except LeBron already has it scheduled, so it's just kind of awkward. It's like, oh, yeah, we'll just go to LeBron's. It's fine. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, I I think that. Do you think AD is going to go on a vacation in the middle of the extension negotiations? Like, does he does he have one plan for mid-August that's just normal and it's not about walking away from the table and, um, you know, reaching an impasse and negotiate? He's just going to go on vacation without it, you know? I'm honestly kind of surprised that we haven't gotten, like, a whole bunch of AD workout videos. We got the boxing one. Oof, that one didn't. <laughs> AD, hire a boxer. Yeah, AD's got a, I don't know, AD, like, does not, he makes me respect LeBron's leaking off-season hype abilities a lot more, watching how AD, like, tries to hype people up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's like, I know what the fans want. They want to hear that I want another center. (laughs) I want to go back to playing the four. (laughs) And, like, how do you think that lands with LeBron? Because LeBron has to play the four. Like that's yeah. a, that, that's the unspoken thing here is that like you can't Anthony you can't play the four I play the four now like, yeah <laughs> like we're both fours <laughs> two fours He's two like, fours and Jackson Hayes all right what if we what if we have you at the three I'm at the four and Rui at the five what do you think like how can like, Rui at the one um <laughs> Rui at the five. <laughs> what do you think like do you think like ad thinks they just make up these numbers it's like yeah. wait so which one's the one and which one's the it's two? all it's all a mindset like they just got to tell him he's the four and lebron's the five you know like it's just <laughs> <laughs> but also not to like bulk up to play the four 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, please slim down to play the four. Um, all right. I think I, I don't know. I also probably think that they wind up giving him the extension because again, it's just more valuable to have him on your books than have this hanging over him yeah. for the entirety of the season. But, and just, I, you know, for all the long-term injury concerns, there's a chance that AD just continues to play at about this level for a long time, you know? Like, it... Yeah. Th- he needs to learn how to shoot if he's going like to do you, that. But you yeah. have, you know, you getting a good player under contract is usually a good thing. And worst well, case, that, you know, that, you're the that Lakers. Goes, that you goes have, back to the point you made earlier, you, no, though. The, the, look, look, the point, the point is, like, the Lakers, you know, longer term, even if, even if AD's contract, like, let's say it does become an albatross at some point during that extension, you know, mm-hmm. it becomes a bad deal. You're fine. It's a three-year extension. And so are we thinking that it's going to be an albatross for all three years? Like, that something's going to happen? It, like, no. Like, it, does it happen, you know, and it's an albatross with two years? Then, okay, it's almost an expi- a massive expiring contract. And the Lakers yeah. have taken painstaking care to have draft picks going down the line. And so you attach dra- – you do what the Lakers do, and you attach a draft pick, and you get a good – you attach some picks, and you get a good the player next. coming back. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that it's I, – I, I, for me, there's very little question that this is the right – decision to make yeah it it would be different if he was like i'm gonna wait till free agency so that i can sign a five-year extension i would rather frankly sign him to the three-year extension coming off of this current deal than wait until this deal is done when he'll be eligible for like five years and even more money you know yeah um i also think like you mentioned uh mcminiman's tenor about on on this conversation over the course of the offseason um for those who listen every single day and certainly every single Thursday, whenever it is that Aaron and I record, um, Aaron's tenor has kind of changed, right? At the beginning of the offseason, he he was kind of saying, like, it'll be interesting to see how everybody approaches this, right? And we just had him just a second ago say, absolutely, just get it done, you know? And so, like, that, like, if we, if that's probably a little too meta, um, that, that's, that's, I probably pulled this no, is Aaron's, about as... Aaron's my most trusted insider on this podcast by far. <laughs> on this podcast for damn sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like between him and Regla. Like it's not me, but it's Avery's up here oh, too. Oh, it's not you. I, I thought I thought you were billing yourself as an insider now. So I, I you know, that oh, was, yeah. that was shots yeah, fired that's at you. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's me. That's that's yeah. <laughs> Hey, I had somebody tell me in an iTunes review that I uh have have uh been a a a an important part of this person's journalistic uh, <laughs> approach to becoming a journalist. So you haven't take that prayers up for that person. Yeah, um. <laughs> but yeah, that is this is about as far back behind the curtains or far back. I'm willing to pull the curtains is like, you know, um, it's not also it's not it's not just what Aaron says. It's also like the way that he says it. And like when he doesn't even hesitate, that's usually a pretty good indication that like the Lakers aren't probably going to to hesitate here especially Nor like they really well and by the time that extension kicks in so it's going to be a three-year 170 million dollar deal so it's like 50 and change per year right or, um, or 3167 if the lakers offer him the three less than the max <laughs> you know yeah and by the if you sign the extension now right and and um i don't believe that those numbers change as the as the uh cap goes up you're going to have 5% increases, you know, you're going to have a couple of those 5% increases before you even get there. So that 50 million, you know, 52 or 53 million number is 
you know, going to be a lower percentage of the cap than to your point earlier, it would be if the Lakers let this expire and then sign them to a brand new contract based off of, you know, where your percentages are based off of the cap at that point. Um, and then that becomes more per year and potentially more years that he is expecting you to sign, right? Yeah, and because, almost certainly more years if you're going to re-sign him because someone else yeah. is going to offer him a deal, you know? Right, right. Well, and that's the thing, though, is that, like, Jalen, second best player on, on a team that was in the finals a year ago and a team that was in the conference finals this last year, right? They've been – they've made lengthy playoff runs every year that he's been in, you know, a Celtic. Um he is always going to expect you give me everything here. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I, and, and again, fairly so. Like I just, I just ripped off. AD's, AD's not only a better player with, uh, you know, like a higher status in the league, but he also, also won a championship title. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I, he is going to, whenever that time comes, if, if the Lakers did let this run out, his expansion ex expectation would be, nope, you're giving me everything that i yeah. am that, that that you can give me especially with the agency that 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 represents them too they are they're they're very much known for fighting tooth and nail for every fucking thing which by the way is their yep. job i've never understood why people had a problem with them operating the way that they do to get their people everything and and uh and yeah that's that's well the i situation think it was the cases where I, you know it, it the people i think the area where people not necessarily teams criticize because of course teams are like they're like yeah this guy's not giving me a discount uh like that's that's their job to like want to pay less money for good players but um yeah the i think the area where the criticism was like somewhat legit was you know fighting tooth and nail for that stuff not getting it and then you know those guys kind of losing out on you know like a deal that ended up being more than they would have made necessarily. Yeah, that's fair. All right, let's I mean, move KCP on to has the... rebounded just fine, but like Nerlens Noel, like probably not going to make yeah. up that extensions that he passed up wanting the and the max or whatever you know that that kind of stuff. Well, I I also just kind of wonder when a player foregoes that extension, especially a lucrative one, and ultimately at one that's point... their decision too. It's not the agency. You know. Well, yeah, no, but I'm saying like from the from team standpoints, like once a player foregoes that lucrative extension, if and I'm not saying that this is like a collusion thing. It's I don't think it's that serious or anything like that. But like once once a player passes up on that, you know, more lucrative extension that was potentially overpaying overpaying in the first place, if teams are just like, oh. Well, kick rocks in. Go get the minimum. Go get whatever you can get anywhere else, and you become yeah. less less incentivized to work with that player on their actual next deal. Be you know that that could sure have been, been replaced. Cases where that happens, where it's sours, yeah. you know, like it sort of like sours the relationship. We saw it with Schroeder to a certain yeah. extent, right? Like <laughs> we just yeah, Lakers it. could have brought him back using his bird rights. They didn't have a whole lot of interest in doing that. Um, immediately like time. remember the the yeah. offseason started and it was just like yeah no probably not you know yeah and then he played well for germany and he came back here and, and to his credit earned this next contract that that you know helps make up for some of those losses um yeah. all right i do want to talk about the the, the nerd stuff all I right find let's, this let's let's talk i find it really interesting a lot of this stuff and um my starting point here is like are we telling I, people that this is where the basketball discourse ends? They can, they yeah, can the basketball, the, the basketball yeah. conversation, like we might make allusions to it or whatever as part of jokes, but for the most part, this is going to be other nerd stuff. This is going to be 
uh, some Star Wars stuff, some uh, MCU stuff. No, it is MCU, yeah, MCU stuff. Um, and, and, you know, comparing that to some of the other non, uh, comic, I guess, DC comic book stuff that, that has done well in, uh, in, in recently. So the first example that I have, um, is Avatar, the second Avatar movie, uh, which yeah. came out and is like the third movie ever to do 200 million plus or 200 billion plus some some no no ridiculous. it's two bill what's it's in the billion range two, i think two billion sounds possible 200 yeah. billion sounds yeah, two impossible. point it's yeah. like 2.39 billion or something like that yeah but, it's a, yeah um so it has obviously broken records and stuff like that and it is also ip right it's the sequel to the first avatar movie the first avatar movie was transcendent at the time that it came out because James Cameron did so many things visually that it made up for, and I grant this, um, a, a somewhat lacking story. Um, this next movie comes out, however many years afterward, right? Almost like 10 years after the first movie had come out. And again, visually transcendent, incredible like viewing experience, and importantly, a really good story, I thought. I will I, say I, the story was much better in the second one, yeah. Yeah, and uh, viewers came out in droves to see it because they knew they were going to get all of the all of the same visual stuff that James Cameron puts into his movies, but also kept going back to the theater because the story was worth going back and seeing. You know, yeah, and and I think you know you look at you look at um, one of the things that that I have grown kind of sick of are these big like comic-con appearances that kevin feige makes where he announces a decade's worth of movies in advance even if like the story doesn't appear capable right now of holding up an entire decade's worth of different universes branching off and in this case different multiverses that keep branching off yeah. and i always was kind of skeptical of like as soon as they brought multiverse stuff into the fold i always kind of wondered if this was where they would start to lose some of like the casual comic book fan, because once you, once you introduce the multiverse and you make deaths less impactful and you remove some of those stakes, that'd be, you're asking people to do a lot of homework to stay invested in all of this stuff. And lo and behold, as both Marvel and DC went into multiverse stuff, both of their and all of their entities, except for like Guardians of the Galaxy, which was a, again an incredible movie, and um, the, uh, importantly, a sort of standalone within that Guardians kind of you know corner of the universe. Yeah, and and like you know you look at people didn't um, need to have seen seven Disney Plus shows to understand what was going. On. There was the only thing was like you sort of needed to have seen the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special, but I don't think that that's like too much of an ask because that's directly <laughs> sort of a mini sequel thing with the actual yeah. title and main characters and all of that. Well, and and also like it wasn't it wasn't so critical to the story that like you yeah. would be lost without it. Right. Like you know, exactly. You met, yeah. It was just like, it was like, wait, Mantis is P Peter Quill's sister. Like, uh, you know, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you could probably just pick up and be like, Oh, I guess I just forgot that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and, and like, they didn't spend a whole bunch of time on it. They just like, yeah, 
okay, this is the, the reality now and then we're moving on, you know? And, yeah. and I think like, um, I think a lot of, a lot of the stuff like in, and I think Star Wars with, uh, the way they've treated Mandalore is, is an example of this too, where they are nerding out so thoroughly that they're losing the casual viewer. They're spending so much time on lore and, and multiverses and the impact of the, the ripple effect of all of these multiverses that people are just like, Hey, can I just see Spider-Man do cool stuff? Can we just try that? Like, can, can, can we, can we have some fun with that a little bit without me having to feel like I have to do trigonometry to keep up? And, and, um, you know, when, when these movies have not done as well or outright flopped at the theater, there's been a lot of excuses made for him. Well, it's post COVID and, you know, we just aren't seeing the same type of, uh, you know, number of people interested in putting themselves in that situation. But that just isn't the case. If it isn't good, it's not going to do well. Avatar 2 was good and it did really well. Barbie, Oppenheimer, both really effing good movies. Top Gun, uh, I, I think, I think the even the new, Impossible, Impossible. the new Mission mm-hmm. Impossible has done well, I believe. Yeah. I don't know how much it's made, but I believe it's done well. If you if you if you make a good movie, um, and and especially you know, if it's a it's a movie with Tom Cruise in it, importantly, major still box office like the uh, the ultimate. Crazy. He's like the Michael Jordan for dads. Like they just want to see any movie he's in. You know, <laughs> it would be great if he just started wearing monarchs in all of his movies. Yeah, <laughs> way too big <laughs> of Nike jeans. Air you know, yeah. um, but like, but the thing with Tom Cruise though, like the the reason he has had the staying power he has is because he pushes those movies so fucking hard to be good. He demands that those movies are so effing good. And like Top Gun, you're not gonna you're not gonna go back and bring back a movie that was relevant forty years ago or thirty years ago, um, and get people to care about it if unless that movie is really good. And and I think, you know, what the MCU has allowed itself to do is, it's just kind of like it's kind of like that artist that you know, uh, uh, you know, whatever music artist you want to you want to use. Where early in their career, you could like hear the hunger in their voice. You could hear like the desperation to make it in their music. And then, like later in their career, you start to notice that they're kind of going through the motions with their production and, and the music isn't as like groundbreaking and, and all that. And they're just like, yeah, I'm gonna make this album. It's gonna sell however many million. And I'm gonna keep doing this thing. And then every so often, there are, there are artists who keep like recreating themselves, like Taylor Swift, right? Taylor Swift, when she first broke into this stuff, when she was like 16, 17 years old, was like, you know, in country. She was doing country stuff and folk stuff and all this stuff. And then she's re, she's, she's really, um, you know, recreated and evolved as, as she an artist. She was writing songs really, for Tim McGraw. Like, yeah, that, that's like how she, country she was. Right. And, and, you know, she goes from, she goes from that and, and evolves as an artist often enough and makes good enough stuff, good enough music throughout her career that now she is the biggest star in the world. And, and I think the lesson that I keep taking away from, from Marvel and from DC, I I haven't even seen flash yet. Um, but like, (laughs) like, well, they, they, they keep on like trying to spoon feed people, all these cameos to, to like, to polish a turd. But at the Sadly, the cameos were the best part of that movie. It was very <laughs> sure. fun to see Michael Keaton back. Like Michael, yeah. Michael Keaton was having a great time making that movie. And I'm sure, but it's it's still polishing a turd. Like yeah, the yeah. substance of the movie, the substance of a lot of this content, unfortunately, right now is is shit. And and I don't know. Like you, 
you are much more educated as I, which would surprise nobody, but given your and my relationships for the last decade, you are much more educated on like the lore and, you know, all of this stuff. Have you found your interest kind of waning as they've sunk so deep into the lore? Um, yes. And multiversal stuff. And I think, I don't know how much it is to do with the multiversal stuff so much as like for me, where I felt it most, and you mentioned this was Star Wars, where it just, you know, Boba Fett became midway through, it was like Mandalorian season two and a half. And like, if you hadn't watched that, you wouldn't have gotten Mandalorian season four, which like, unfortunately I watched all of Boba Fett, um, and watched them, you know, kill my favorite action figure uh, slash like (laughs) cool spinoff character that had this incredible original expanded universe story. And like after the movies and all of this stuff and like had, you know, and then they're just like, yeah, no, he's like a, he's like a mob boss, but like a altruistic mob boss now. I don't know. Uh, is this anything? Um, yeah. He rides a dragon yeah. sometimes. Like I, it was just, and um, poor Tamir Morrison. Uh, like uh, they, I felt it more in Star Wars where every single thing feels like they're just trying to MCUify Star Wars where they're like, you know, Mandalorian season one, you know, really cool, just standalone thing. And they learned the wrong lesson from it. They're like, you know what this needs? This needs more characters that we can make spinoff IP about. Like, so we're going to have like Cara, D- the co- completely charismaless Cara Dune be like majorly featured and then center a spinoff around her until she publicly rebrands as an extremely uh problematic i don't remember yeah yeah we'll just yeah. we'll just say uh, yeah she rebranded uh, yeah she rebranded um and you know lost her star wars series as a result uh that she was going to get um and then it's like every single you know character that appears it's like oh like it's either like it's like oh man they'll look there's jack black isn't that cool seeing him in star wars or it's <laughs> you know it's like, hey, you know, aren't you excited for this, you know, random spinoff show that we're doing about this character or like this random whatever? It just like it feels like shameless IP spinoff creation more so than storytelling. Like they're just like, look at this action figure. It's cool. I'm going to move him over here. And won't it be cool if this action figure just bangs heads with this one? That's so cool. Um, <laughs> and it, it just the MCU has started to feel more like that, although I think it's more in the MCU, it's more that the characters that people were so invested in and had cared about are sort of all transitioning out or transitioned out entirely. And yeah. they're just like, hey, you know, these background people, aren't you excited about them in expanded roles? It's like, well, I don't know if the story's good, I guess, but most of the stories haven't been good. They're yeah. pacing on their TV series. They're like, you know what? We want to make episodic television and do tv and have you know like be able to tell these deeper stories but we're gonna pace it so that the first three episodes are all exposition through dialogue and then we are going to rush through to the conclusion through the final three episodes of we've all we decided that we all the series budget. have to be six series six episodes too yeah like we don't they... want a budget for 10 episodes because at that point we're dealing with like you know more than a movie budget so we're just gonna basically make a slightly longer movie with horrendous pacing and then also yeah. the movies now you you have to have watched these series with mostly horrendous pacing to understand them. And I think that's where you start to kind of lose people. I don't know that it's like, cause I've liked some of the spinoff shows. Like I, WandaVision was great. I enjoyed yeah. Loki. I know that that one was polarizing. Um, you know, th- like there's been some good kind of storytelling in there, but um, 
you know, I even enjoyed Miss Marvel for what it was. It was kind of like fun family show, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. Like, it kind of, you know, it's definitely I like the stuff but... that kind of winks. Like, I like the yeah. I like the stuff that doesn't take itself so seriously, you know? Like, yeah, it had um, heart. And that's the thing is yeah. so much of this stuff just feels like it's it has no heart anymore. And it's just like, oh, you know, you saw this person around. Don't you want to see a movie about them? And it's like, well, yeah. I don't know. Well, it's and and. You know, I listen but a we lot say that, to... And even like, you know, like even a flop for Ant-Man and Quantumania like made $104 million. Like that was, you know, it, it, that was its opening weekend. And yes, that was like less than other MCU movies have done. I think it's like the lowest opening ever for them. But it's still more than Oppenheimer made in its opening weekend. And so like, I don't think that the stuff is like going away. I just think that... Yeah. And my, unfortunately, the thing that I'm worried about, and I'm sorry for ranting here and, and no, like, go going for on it. forever. I ranted but, a lot uh, before we got there. Yeah. I think... The thing, the thing that I'm worried about is that studios are going to learn the wrong lesson from this. They're like, well, we just haven't franchised the right IP. You know, we need to, we need to like make more Mattel movies. You know, that's what we've learned from this is that yeah. we actually we need a we need a movie just called Ken. You know, um, or you know, we need we need a movie about. Well, that was uh, a like, takeaway from a, a lot of people. Yeah. Well, they're like, you know, I, I, I want, you know, they're like, you know what we need? What we haven't been doing is we haven't had enough movies that are diametrically opposed in terms of the way that they look and like their oh, seriousness no. and whatever. And so we yeah. just need more, you know, we need more Barbenheimer, you know, we yeah. got to coordinate these movies so that they come out and we can do like quirky social media marketing about, oh, isn't it funny that like this movie about an atomic bomb is coming out at the same time as this movie about Barbie. So that's why I'm excited for Saw Patrol when, um, uh, the new Saw movie <laughs> releases uh, alongside the Paw Patrol movie. And I think yeah. that is what's really going to bring theaters back. It's the people want Saw Patrol. Yeah, they're going to they're going to make uh, they're going to release a bluey movie at the same time when they finally like franchise or they, they, they franchise some like odd jobs thing, you know. They're like, make, no, they're going to release the next jobs. Batman movie at the same time as Spider-Man. And they're like, aren't you excited for Spider-Man? <laughs> the cro Bat? Like, wait, no, uh, bat, spider. bat spider. I don't know. It's <laughs> spider bat. Yeah, I, I. Anyway, I'm I excited just... for them being like, you know, we we need to double down on crossovers. We're gonna we're gonna do DC versus Marvel. Uh, and well, and that's game. gonna happen. Yeah. No, we're gonna we're gonna, gonna happen. We're we're definitely gonna get like at some point. Shit, I I almost wonder if we're gonna get like a a Star Wars Marvel thing, um, within D oh, Disney. God. You know, like it, we're just going to keep crossing stuff over until, you know, and hoping it works. I, I, it sucks that I, I, and look, I'm, you know, me, I'm very cynical and this is just kind of like who I am at this point. But, um, I do find myself wondering the lesson to take from this is if you want even IP stuff to sell at its maximum return you have to take the time to make it good. You can't yeah. just like, you can't just like, you know, promise your corporate overlords and your shareholders, all of these movies a decade into the future and then execute those. However, you have to throw them together to actually the, hit the those target example dates. Of this is Sony just being like, we are not going to give up the Spider-Man rights and we're just going to make spinoff movies about the villains, but without Spider-Man, you know, right. it's yeah. Yeah. Like and that's it's just, just like shameless IP branding, you know, as film. And 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 none of those have resonated. Morbius is like a joke. Like it's a, it's an actual joke. Um, it's Morbin time, baby. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, 
I I know that I am cynical, and I and I hope that this this isn't actually the case. But I kind of feel like these executives are doing whatever they can to ignore the actual message from all of this, to ignore the actual lesson in all of this. And we see this at a time when like writers and actors are on strike because these ghouls are in these positions of power where they're hoping that AI can do a good enough job to have the holes filled in and create a movie that has this IP backing, but just won't have a soul because it turns out an important part of the writing process is having a soul in artificial I'm, intelligence computers aren't going to have a soul. It's like the thing about, you them. know, disagree. I'm excited for the movie, the lizard about the Spider-Man mo- villain, the lizard uh, written by AI and all yeah. generated uh, by uh, automatic CGI <laughs> coming in, in 2029. It's going to be great. It's going to be so yeah. great. And and it's just like Tom Holland the, might be in the post credit scene. You never know. You got to go see to find out. <laughs> you sit through two hours of shit just so you can maybe yeah. get like a pst and then that's well, you, you might get you it. might get a little preview of what's next. You know, do, yeah. isn't that what's important to you about movies? And that's the other thing with like the all this stuff. is yeah. like so much of it just feels like they're like, oh, yeah, aren't you? It's just setting up the next thing instead of being a story unto itself. Right. And and. And that's the thing, though, is that like you look at the movies that have had success, Guardians of the Galaxy felt very much not a part of whatever Marvel is doing over yeah. there. It honestly felt like James Gunn made that movie and told his audience, hey, if you like this, I'm doing this thing over there, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> it was a perfect timing for him. Surprised to they didn't go list like- him as DC's James Gunn in the con- in the <laughs> in the credits. Changes his middle name, James He legally DC changed Gunn. his name. Yeah. Um, but like I but like you look at the even if it's IP stuff, they are stories unto themselves, right? Guardians was a story unto itself and um Avatar two was its own story unto itself. And um, you know, Top Gun was like shockingly a great like a really like it had no business being as good a story as it was. And, and like, that's the thing, though, with those movies, it is it, it takes investment. It takes time. It takes collaboration. It takes creativity to, and then, and then like, what Faggy, it like, this is his, this should be his whole job, is linking these. I believe it's Feige. Did you just, like, did you just, like, make him, Feige? his name sound more like mine, just, like, as an effort to get mad at him? <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> that would be a Freudian slip. That would be. Yeah. But Feige, Feige though, like it should be what I what I really enjoyed, and this was something like this was a strong suit of early MCU stuff. Was he would tell his directors, "Hey, you are you're gonna go build Wakanda over there. You're gonna go build, you know, Captain America, and you're gonna go build, you know, whatever, and all of these places, and let me do." Let me do yeah, the hard work. Let me work. worry about connecting the pieces. Yeah, and I and they need to get back to that. And I yeah. and whatever it takes, like they need to get back to that on Instead all of, just of having these having the things. whole movie be setting up the net or TV show be hey, aren't you excited yeah. about this next thing? Yeah, exactly. All right, well, that is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lounge uh, slash Hollywood Lounge, whatever we want to call the 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 last little part there. I look, this is the I'm time sure of year there were where lots I'm... of deals being made in like the forum club and stuff. So you know, it's a it, it, the oh, Lakers definitely... Lounge would theoretically have entertainment talk. This is L.A. baby. Yeah, exactly. Oh, can't wait. A couple weeks. 
for the yeah. movie or, or for the next uh, series. But anyway, thank you very much, Harrison, for hopping on. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We will be back uh, in a couple days when Aaron and I talk about whatever it is that Aaron and I are going to talk about.